Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, no, man, I just uh, feel like a football player. I'm just glad to be recognized, and uh, I just want to keep putting some great run stuff out there and try to help in the pass. Well, that was Montrevious Adams talking about getting an opportunity to contribute a little bit more because he has moved up the depth chart, ascending over Tyson Alu-Alu, which is, you know, it's – I don't know what to, to say, Max, other than the fact that I, I look at Tyson and you think he's 35 years old. He's been playing at such a high level all along. And then to have a broken ankle last year, sit out a lot, um, come back and your knee is uh, a little bit suspect. Yeah, you may, you wonder. You know, what I mean, maybe maybe this is the best thing for Tyson right now, where he's not taking as much of the reps at nose tackle as he has been, and it just might be the move that maybe gets a little. I don't know. Now we're just talking about base defense. We're just the base okey, all right, at nose tackle, but it might give a little kickstart to the defense. Well, I, I I think I think it's one of those things where, like I said, I think he's taking a lot of those reps that he normally, you know, was not expecting in, in base and with the injury to TJ, wearing a lot more three-line as opposed to two-man line where the D line comes in sub and usually hit supplement with two outside backers. Right. They've been running more three-down three, three down linemen. So I, I think, you know, it's the rep share is a, little bit, is a little bit more than I'm sure the load he was expecting. But I think at the same time, this is something that, you know, he, he's a professional. He understands that you want to put yourself in the best position to be successful for your team. And and when you see what Tyson can do um, when he's healthy or when he's fresh, you're just trying to figure out different ways of getting him fresh. Maybe he needs a little bit of a break, and maybe, you know, Montrevious has earned that opportunity as well sure. that he deserves to be the starter in some of those situations. Um, just acknowledgement on the board, but listen, reps still get distributed by, by, by in-game play and in-game uh, services. And what, what you do and what you've accomplished with those reps earn more opportunities. And Montrevious, with the reps given, has earned the, has earned that right. I mean, he makes splashes when he's in there. And so why not give him a full-time gig, see if he can start a little bit sooner. And then for Tyson, it's not like Tyson got demoted and he's not dressing or anything. No. It's just he's just not in that moment um, starting the game as the, as the starting guy, which happens a lot. You know, when you have – 
three wide receivers versus having, you know, two tight end sets, right? Right. Or two tight end sets and not having an 11 personnel set. I, 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 you know, the same thing applies. And I feel like, you know, you can't get caught up with, oh, my God, I'm not starting. I, yeah. And I don't think Tyson is. No, so. I don't think so either. Look, he's been around. You know what the game is. And at certain times, you, you know, again, I look to father time waits for nobody. You know what I mean? I no, remember James Ferrier was not. talking about 30 is the new – no, 40 is the new 30 or something like that. And, math, you know, math just doesn't work that way. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you know, when you are a constant battler in the trenches, you kind of age faster than some of the other components out there in my mind. There's just because of the constant physicality and beatdown that, that goes. Um, I think this is a natural – process where you you look at Tyson you know he's been battling the knee problem since training camp you know uh he did the the ankle broken ankle last year I, you know I'm sure he's that's all set and settled and he's as strong as ever and so forth but at 35 I think a reduction in workload giving him more rest opportunities to also explore what he's capable of doing at the three technique you know what I mean he's still very very capable of providing pressure rushes, good hand play, good, you know, pass rushing capabilities from that three technique in a 4-2, uh, you know, uh, uh, sub package there. To me, in my mind, that this could be a good thing for, for uh, Tyson. Yeah, once I, yeah, I don't see it as a negative, especially when you're talking no. about a 35-year-old guy who has right. a ton of experience, a ton of plays in his system. I mean – it's just like you know, it's just like with Chris Wormley last year. Remember when you didn't have to it? I mean, he came in thinking he was a backup. Boom, got moved up right. to the starting role, and he didn't complain about it. I think the same thing. It's a revolving door that goes up and down. And is based off of health and also what you're doing. So you can always improve your station um, in that process. The big, the only opportunity where you can't is when they put you in street clothes when you're the healthy scratch. Yeah, that's the only time you can't progress. Yeah. But I think Tyson's been doing has been doing a solid job. And like you said, you're trying to also give him the rest that's necessary. Absolutely. I think we, what you point out, this is not a negative. This is Montrevious no. earning some extra reps and being able to be recognized as such. And a guy like Tyson, uh, in my mind, you know, look, there's always a point in time in your career if you play long enough, which is not that, you know, there's not that many guys that get to play that long where you, you know that the there's a little bit of a diminishment of your skills. It can't help it. I mean, that's just the aging process. You know what I mean? And it's not a, it's not a misnomer on Tyson as much as, as it is. It's uh, Montrevious having uh, shown that he's capable, especially coming off of the training camp where he was limited by injuries, which I know that, uh, you know, kind of plagued on his mind a little bit because you worry about it. Even though he was on in con, you know, had a contract and so forth, you you come out there and you're not getting any reps in training camp. It can be a little worrisome. Come, uh, you know, the final cuts. Well, and, and also here's the thing, Wolf. Um, from my experience, I I I, I was I, w- I was demoted before to second team after starting 34 straight games at right tackle. Oh yeah, and, and winning a Super Bowl. Right. And Willie Colon, you know, came in supplanted me and and. That allowed me to be a swing tackle. Um, I didn't pout about it. I took it as a badge of honor right. that they want they want me to work somewhere else now. Okay. The job that I did was 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 done, and you know, and you think had I been the starting right tackle at the time, 
I wouldn't have been able to go play left tackle when Marvell went down. Right. Correct. You know, I it I I I was on field goal block and I blocked a field goal wolf in a game. <laughs> I was I was, I was, I was, I was playing field goal, goal block, block too, but I never did. I was too short. Yeah. So <laughs> You know, I had field goal block duties. I had goal line defense. I was an extra tight end. Like, like my role expanded when when I when I went to the sec, when I went to second team. I'm not, I'm not saying you should be happy with it. No, not at all. Because that that's the drive and the com- competitor that keeps you in the league. Right. But at the same time, you have to look at the blessing in disguise, and you have to look at this is an opportunity that I can go and do something else. I can I I, I could have a bigger impact and shorter and shorter exposures. Whereas when you play every single play, it becomes, you know, becomes normal. It becomes mundane, right? If every day is a sunny day, you know, what, 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 what is, what is a sunny day? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, again, I go in like you, you know, I, I look back at my career and I was a starter up until I think it was my 10th year, you know I mean? And, and even then past that, I started a few games, you know, in my 11th and 12th, but you know, the fact was, had been primarily started throughout my career. And then there was that point in time where you kind of jumped the shark. You know, at least I did. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. knew after after the, uh, you know, when I, I blew up my ACL. And um, I knew that I wasn't the same. I could always felt that I was not the same when I came back. I We didn't go through reconstruction. I just cut out the ligament and I played uh, 11 games despite the fact that um, – <laughs> You know, you just cut out the ligament. But, you know, after that, that you just know that it's not the same thing. You don't have quite that acceleration step that you used to have, you know. And so it's a little bit of a diminishment and diminishing returns. And that's the natural, really, progression of playing in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, and that's just what it is. When you take contact every single play, right? it's that. Yep. Every play, no doubt, no matter what happens, I am getting contact. Running back, maybe, maybe not. Wide receiver, maybe, maybe not. Tight end, a little bit more when you're in the game. But offensive line and defensive line, guaranteed contact every single play. And that, over time, has a cumulative effect. And you, you don't know what that reverberation is in the body, right? Just. Right. Simply getting knocked around or knocking guys around. You're knocking yourself around even when you knock somebody else around. <laughs> you know, yes. there, there, there's that collision of bodies. So, you know, you want to try and if there is an opportunity, especially when you're talking about defensive line, where, hey, if I can minimize some of that exposure to lengthen things for me on the back end, why not take advantage of it? Absolutely. You know, and this is – I think this is first – first of all, it's a result to – that you're trying to improve your run defense. Um, Cleveland rushed for 171 yards, right? So that was the seventh time seventh time in the past 12 regular season games that the Steelers' defense has yielded 150 or more yards rushing. Um, that's, that's something to be concerned about, and it's something I know we've talked about. One of the first things I love the fact that you said was, you know what, if the offense controls the ball more, the time of possession – that's it's going to be a boon to the defense. You're not going to have the same sort of opportunities, uh, you know, the opposition offenses to run the the table with your defense if you're hanging on to the ball. Absolutely. I mean, you, you think about that, Wolf. They can't rush for 171 yards if they don't get enough rushing attempts. Right. 
You got to have a requisite number. Now, obviously, you don't want to give up like an 80 yarder or anything because that puts you halfway there. But <laughs> okay, you know what I'm I saying. You obvious. know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's obvious. But but you but you don't you you know. But the rule says if a guy's averaging 3.7 a rush or four yards a rush, he needs about 20 or so reps, you know, to right. get to that point. Um, so you try. So you so. If he doesn't get to that opportunity where he can rush that much or you put up enough points that they have to abandon the run game, that's what helps the defense in that in that category. And so it keep it also keeps him fresher to be more aggressive. Because may, maybe maybe that tackle where a guy falls off, maybe he doesn't fall off. And a little bit of extra energy to flex that bicep and squeeze a little bit harder when they wrap the legs up. I mean, <laughs> the, the, all those things play off of each other. And I think that's what that's that's what I'm trying to get people to understand is that. Everything plays together. All three phases play a significant role with how the other categories perform within those within those groups. You know, if you're giving if you're giving an opposing offense the short field, right? They're going to run a lot more. If they have a lead, they're going to run a lot more. If you keep giving them the ball after three and outs, they're going to run a lot more. But if you possess the ball. If you chew up time, you put points on the scoreboard that forces them to have to reach. Well, those reaches don't come with the run game. Those reaches come with the passing game. And what does the passing game yield? More opportunities for sacks. Absolutely. So, I mean, so once again, that's how it plays. And if a defense could turn the ball over to you on a short field, guess what you're going to try and do? You're going to try and run it down their mouth because you also want to give the defense a little bit of a blow. It's the pacing thing, but it's also the explosive play thing for a run game because once you once once you run that hammer up against the wall eventually, guess what? You start poking holes in that wall. Yeah. The drywall isn't as strong anymore. The more you keep hitting it and hitting it at different spots, it's going to be weak and it's going to give way. And that's what that that is. So then that just everything plays off of each other. And I think that's what we have to keep in mind. You know, special teams can put points on the board, can also pin teams deep. Right, it could also lead to potential splash plays on special teams if a guy muffs a punt or a kick. Like all of these things play off of each other, and that helps either your offense or your defense at any given time. So all three phases must be in sync or lockstep with each other. Ooh, I like that sync or lockstep. Very good, very descriptive, my friend. <laughs> you're you're well, you know. I mean, I just I'm here to paint pictures like Bob Ross. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> You don't. You don't have hairdo like that, though, man. You don't have a hairdo. I don't. Like that. Hey, I used to. I used to have. Did you really? You remember that? Oh, you don't remember my my humongous like afro that I that I, like. It was like all the way out I there. I did remember you being, you know, rather close cropped like you are now. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. You got to go back. You got to go back to young Max, like year two through oh. like five. Um, yeah, I, I had I had braids. I had. No you kidding. know, cornrows. I and I used to wear my afro out. Ah. Me, me, and Chris Kubiatu. It's actually if you go in the Steelers facility, yeah. Wolf, upstairs. You know where they have all the team photos from right. all the years. Right. Go to the. I can't remember exactly which year. I want to say it was the 07 season when we wore the black jerseys with the gold numbers. Okay. It was like it was, I think it was seventy fifth. Uh no no not seventy fifth season. I think it was a eightieth anniversary. One, one, anyways. <laughs> I can't remember exactly which one it is, Wolf, but right. it's up there with Chris Kimiyatu and I. Look, look between 
Who's got 06 the, who's to got 08. The, who's got the worst hairdo, you or, or Big Juicy? Um, I don't think it's worse at all because my hair is beautiful. But um, <laughs> so it's big juicy. If you're asking about length, mine was longer. Okay, uh, that's all, right. all I could tell you. But I had long flowing locks of and manes. You know, long my mane was. My, yeah, exactly. Think about this. Think of Isaiah Loudermilk. You know how glorious right. his hair is yes, now. This long like a rock Samson star, look. Doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. It, it's just mine's cooler. <laughs> so think, so think Isaiah Loudermilk, but cooler. Oh, like that was my hair. Very nice. <laughs> I like that. Okay. I know. I but, might actually have a picture. I'll send it to you during the break. You'll have to do that. Okay. Before we go, though, one of the things I just want to clear too, clear up a little bit is the the need to get something going on third downs. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. You know, and and yes. third downs are directly related to first downs. You know, getting a win on first down is so important. It sets the stage. I think they've started to do more of that. But, you know, those third downs, when you go one and nine, ouch, man, that just hurts, especially when you're trying to keep, take the pressure off your defense with a team that can roll in the chains such as the Cleve Brownies were. You know, that's something that uh, you, you just cannot afford to go one for nine on the third downs. I mean, it's just that's a killer. No, you you can, and and that that's that's what keeps the drives going, right? That that is that is a direct reflection of how you're playing, how you're doing everything, and you want to make sure you can put yourself in a position as a team to have third manageables. I think the problem is we kind of get backed up either false starts, penalties that aid us in getting backed up when we're close. And then, of course, converting on those short yardages when, when your number's called, right, on the dies, on the sneaks, or any type of screens that's in that five and shorter range, you've got to be able to convert on those to keep drives alive. And I think that's kind of what, what's hurt us. That, that's why we haven't had the production or the rhythm is that we'll come out, and if any one of those first three plays doesn't hit, now we're punting. Yeah. So it's trying to put yourself in a position to where you're not backed up. You're not – behind the chain so to speak when it comes money down time because that's what third down is third down is money down um <laughs> yeah. you want you want to excel at the money down periods and and get those opportunities in there and that's practical application that also builds confidence right because it, yes. say you, say you're in a drive like we talk about those 75 yard drives right if you convert two three third downs in a row what does that do mentally for you i know for me i was like these dudes can't stop us. Yep. I was feeling, I was feeling like you feel like you're on top of the world, and that makes you do even more things, and that makes uh, that makes the the extraordinary ordinary. Yes, right. It, it's it desensitizes. The mojo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get your imagination rolling. Yeah, exactly, and that, and that that that's what you're trying to do, and that's why I think. But that's also a part of the growth process, right? Because that's consistent execution as well. That's that's a testament to consistent execution and overcoming any type of setbacks. That's saying you're going to have to give us a penalty and push us back because we're just going to keep chewing up this yardage, right? And that's the mindset that you want it because, and that's also the confidence boost for this offense to continue to keep pushing and striving, right, and growing and expanding. No question about it. Absolutely, my friend. Where are we going next? Where are we going? We're going into <laughs> the world of. Let's see here. Because uh, I just threw Max a curveball. Uh, you know, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I, I did. Um, but let's see. Let's see how professional he is, because I have put now the onus upon one Maximilian Starks to uh, be creatively accountable to moving forward in the next block. 
That 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 is correct. You know what? What's that? Buddy? Curveball initiated. All right. But before but before we go do that, I want to make sure I point everybody out to subscribe to the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast, <laughs> along with Steelers Digest editor Brian Labriola. He will talk with said coach Mike Tomlin about the upcoming game. New episodes drop every game day. Available on your Steelers mobile app, your iHeartRadio app, wherever you get podcasts. But most importantly, get it during your tailgate. Listen to Coach. We get to listen to him in the stadium in the elevator coming up, you know, before we get to the booth and before we get to our duties. But you as fans don't get to hear what we get to hear. You don't get the elevator music. You want the tailgate vibes. And why not let Bob, the smooth voice of Bob Labriola and the insight and the, and the sage wisdom of Mike Tomlin invade your ears before game day. Why not let them do that and put you on the right course to cheer for the black and gold in Akershire Stadium come Sunday? And I advise you, it's always good to listen to it because they have a great rapport and a great relationship. It's a great interview. Uh, when we come back, I'm now going to curve the ball towards Wolf, <laughs> and I'm going to throw some topics at him when we come back here on In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks here on SNR and ESPN Radio. Well played. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, back in the locker room and it is curveball time. Wolf, you got your catcher's mitt? I got it. I got it, baby. I'm ready to go. All right, here we go. All right, what is is the Steelers all-time series against the Jets? Just joking, just joking. I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to give you that. Yeah. No. Um, so, <laughs> Don't so have a clue. They, here we go. They played 24 times. Okay. I'd say so, the Steelers won probably, let me guess, uh, 17 of them. You're good. Yeah. You're good. You're good. It's 18. Oh, close. Close, but yeah, no you cigar. Were close. All right. But here's the thing. We're 18 and 6 against the Jets. Mm-hmm. But the Jets have won two of the last three. Ooh, that I didn't do know. You, do you know the last time we've beaten the Jets? No. 2016, actually on October 9th. So October is a good month for us to beat the Jets. Ooh, yeah. Uh, we, we beat them 31-13 to 13 in then Heinz Field. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh, yeah. I didn't know that. So... Yeah, see, so see, you know, I, I want to throw new. it out there. Yeah, I figure, you know, these curveballs would also be educational. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, because yeah. I, I think back to I remember playing the Jets in Shea Stadium, the last game in Shea Stadium for the Jets. Also, was Terry Bradshaw's last game, December fifteenth. You know, what year was it? You know, I I definitely don't. It was before I was born, <laughs> nineteen eighty three. There you go. Oh, I was a year old. Okay, year there old. we go. There you go. Yeah, there oh, we go. Okay. I didn't realize you, you were on the planet back then. Okay. I, I was on the planet. Yes, I was not just a thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 that, that, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, the history, you know, you would think 
in a hundred years, and and you know the Jets obviously they were more AFL. Yes. So what they came around in what the sixties? I want to say the Jets came around. I believe so. What's when was their yeah. Super Bowl year? Was it the the early seventies with Joe Willie? Yeah, well, it it was what? Yeah, it was, was it Super Bowl three? It was it was very early in the Super Bowl era. Yeah, I can't so, remember. So, Japers. Yeah. So it, yeah. So the Super Bowl era happened what after the nineteen seventy merger? So right. The Jets, I believe, were one probably. of those AFL teams, so they probably got formed in the in the mid '60s, maybe. I, I would once again, I would guess so. I mean, think about it. Weeb Eubanks was a coach. You had uh, the great Matt Snell at fullback. You had Winston Hill playing tackle, um, and of course Joe Willie Namath at quarterback. By the way, I met Joe Willie Namath one time. I was at a golfing function, which I didn't really golf, but back then as a player. And I got to meet him. Boy, I tell you, that was pretty cool. And, you know, Joe Willie's a yeah. pretty neat guy. You know I mean? He's, 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 he is amazing. <laughs> he's he's, he's amazing lived quite the being. life. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, he has. And, and you know what I think is, is also cool? Because I got a chance to meet him young in my career. He actually came to a charity event um, in Orlando. Oh, yeah? It was, a, it, was a, it was a golf tournament. It was like my – Of course, my another golf tournament. Yeah, it was like my third year in the league, I want to say. So, because my, my wife and I were just dating at the time. Mm, okay. And so it was early on in our relationship. And I invited her down to Orlando because I got invited to this golf tournament um, by one of, one of my, one of my uh, high school classmates. His, his dad run, ran, ran, the, uh, ran the Ritz Carlton in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And so he, he was like, Max, man, you want to play in this tournament? I'm like, sure. And so, literally at the breakfast, we sat at the table with Joe Namath, and Ooh, it was just—that's pretty cool. It was, it was one of the coolest things ever. And just he's—he's, he's, I mean, his swag, his, his suave, his coolness just exudes, right? You know, mm-hmm. some people just have that aura about they do. them. They do. He—he's one of those guys. Like you're like, he—I know he doesn't physically have a fur coat on, but mentally he has a fur coat on. Absolutely, right he's talking to you. Me know, here's the in thing. Shades. When I he, he's exactly like like you're describing his persona his his aura there as he's sitting there doing that stuff is so big you know who else reminds me of has the same sort of and probably even greater kind of like that that charisma yeah. it was Muhammad Ali I was I got within 15 yes. feet of Muhammad when he was at a Super Bowl one time and I he was signing or yeah he was signing some autographs the night before at, at an event before the Super Bowl game, okay? And so I'm hanging out there with Tunch. We're like, look at man. It's it's the greatest, you know? It's Muhammad Ali, and he was there. And it was yeah. just – it was really cool. I don't – there's just something about certain people that have that charisma, that great wow factor about them that – and Joe Willie's one, but Muhammad Ali was another guy that I thought, wow, he just – he about floored me. Yeah, no, and you know, Muhammad um, used to do his um – he he used to do his uh, his fight night out here in Arizona for oh, so yeah? many years. Yeah, he'd do it. It was a uh, it was at, they'd have it at the W. Um, was the last couple ones, but yeah, he would he would do his like fight night charity out here. And so guys would always tell me, I I I I I would happen to be there one night by accident. I saw him from a distance, mm-hmm. but I mean, but yeah, it, it, it's tremendous. Just the appeal, the you know, just the excitement that ensues. Um, for certain people, right. you know, and, and just seeing that greatness um, around you, you know, you, you and and I think for a lot of us, it, 
it, it's it's just that inspiration, right? Especially when you get to know the backstory of a lot of people. Oh yeah, and and then you see their exploits. And, and let's just face it, athletic feats will always continue to amaze us, mm-hmm. right? The amazement of what the human body can do, can endure, can overcome, and it's always going to be celebrated. But you're absolutely right. Uh, for journalistic integrity, Wolf, though oh, yes. I do want to break in with this, the Jets were formed in 1959 as the Titans of New York. Oh. And they were an original AFL member, and the franchise joined the NFL during the merger in 70, and then they changed their name to the Jets. But, uh, yes, but team play began in 1960. So <laughs> New York Titans. For journalistic integrity. Yeah. yeah, the New York Titans. And I actually, you know, it's funny. I actually remember the poster because I was I was in um, when I was at NFL Films um, doing uh, like the broadcast boot camps and, and the different um, offerings the NFL has mm-hmm. for, for broadcasting and journalism. And I remember walking past. I was like, the Titans of New York. I was like, I thought that was the name for the Giants. You know, right? Right. Titan. And I'm like, oh, they got switched over to the Giants. But now I learned something new is that that was actually for the Jets. So you had the Giants and the Titans all in New York. Wow. You wonder, you wonder why Godzilla was always attacking us in those, in those Japanese movies. I'm just saying. I like the name Titans better than Jets. I don't know why you change it to Jets. You know what I well, mean? Now that name is in Tennessee, so well, yeah, I, they can't. I, I they obviously can't. understand now you can't do it, that. It, 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 it vacated. In, and, yeah, why, yeah, why vacate that name? That was a great name, the New York Titans. I don't know. There's something maybe, a little. Maybe because little it was too close something. to Giants. Maybe because it's too close to Giants. I think it. I think I it's know. better than the Giants. I don't know, but I do know this. I can tell you when when Bradshaw played his last game. Now you got to remember, he had an elbow injury and had some surgery in the off season. So when we came back to camp, Terry didn't throw a pass, didn't do nothing all season long until he started that last game in December fifteenth, nineteen eighty three. You know, and it was a, it was a tough year for you know Cliff Stout was was there and Stouter, you know. Uh, Brad sometimes would get up and lob a couple of balls, you know, at uh, you know on the sidelines when things were a little tough, and then the crowd would start to go, you know, they we want Bradshaw, and then he, he couldn't throw, you know, I mean, they, and it was only until the end when he got out there, and it was so funny because as we're prepping to play, the the, the mantra is nobody can touch Terry. Okay, you got to we got to run the ball this week, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. If you let anybody hit Terry, that elbow could go. It's held together by like a band aid or something. So we go out there. Yeah. The first two series, we go down on drives, and he's slinging the ball everywhere. And he threw two touchdown passes. We go back to the bench. We're sitting down, and Tunch goes, "Hey Terry, I thought we were going to run the ball." And he said, "You know me. You know me, uh, Tunch." He says, "I ain't no. I ain't no mailman. I'm a gunslinger." <laughs> And, there it is. And, there, and we go out the next series, and he blew out his elbow and was done. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Game Jesus. over. Uh, I mean, but here it is. I mean, I just thought of a new movie title. What's that? The Gunslinger. Yes. A Ballad of Terry Bradshaw. Ooh. Yeah, he could do there that. There we go. There you we know. go. He, he could definitely do that. He'd probably throw in some country songs, too. Well, you know what? I saw him out at the, in the – when he came – last time he came to Pittsburgh with his show, his Vegas show. Um, I went out and saw him. So a bunch of the guys went and saw him, and and then afterwards got to see him in a little meet and greet that we were able to uh, hook up with him. But uh, you know, yeah, he can definitely sing, man. Ain't no doubt about it. You know, uh, even yeah. even when he's missing some teeth, he was a good singer. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, so I'm not even gonna go there. Uh, Wolf. Also, I would like to let you know 
Yes. That there, there, there is a YA Tittle sighting. Oh, there um, is. In, in my October stat facts. Ooh. Um, did you know that who has thrown the most touchdowns in a single game in October in, in, in NFL history? Well, I take it has something to do with YA Tittle. That is correct. How did you know? Wow. You How know, did you know? You he know, threw I, seven passing touchdowns in a single game. Really? Yeah. Wow. Who did they play? Right. Uh, they played Washington. It was oh, back in my ni- goodness. In, in the great year of 1962. I have no clue if it was great because I wasn't here. Well, was I was, but me. I was only four years old and didn't know a trap block from a pass. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say you didn't know the difference between a, a foosball and a football. But, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. So, Y.A. Tittle did come up in there. I was like, it's funny that we just talked about this guy. But I do want to point you in something that, you know, right Please now. Do. Um, so, so NFL sends us a stat pack, and you kind of right. peruse through it because it just has – it's like an index of just everything. Mm-hmm. So, you got to kind of find <coughs> pertinent stats. But did you know that we have a player – on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's ranked in the top five in a certain category? No. No, what, wait a minute. Ah. What top five? You know, like okay, all time is. or? So, no, 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 no. The, the current, current. Oh, current. Through, okay. Through, 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 uh, this season, 2022 season. Okay. So, uh, so the category is leaders in passer rating and rate of attempts on downfield passes in 2022. The minimum requirement is 10-plus air yards and the highest rate of total attempts that come on such passes? Mitch Trubisky. Uh, yep. And he is that? number five uh, in the NFL. Now, does that, not fly in the, attempts. does that not fly in the face of, you know, the what what's out there, you know, the public perception of what's going on yeah. offensively? Uh, yeah, check down Charlie, throwing right. short of the sticks. Dink and dunk. It, Dink and dunk, all those things. But he is fifth only behind. Jameis Winston has the highest uh, percentage of total attempts, which is 44%, uh, 44.3. Actually tied with Marcus Mariota. Um, but Lamar Jackson is at third at 40.9. Mac Jones is fourth at 40.2. And Mitch Trubisky just a shade below 40% at 39.8%. So that's one of the things when people are talking about, oh, my gosh, he throws, you know, throws these short passes, blah, 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 blah. Boom. Now we know he does not. He does attempt passes greater than that. I think people kind of get caught up on it when it comes third down and you're trying to throw a catch and run type of situation and guys catch it, but they don't run after it or they just don't catch it at all Um, in those situations because of pressure, um, because of different circumstances. But the attempts are there. So they are. So Mitch is throwing the ball over a third of the time downfield over 10 yards. And yes. I think that's something I wanted to point out to make sure when we're talking about people trying to put pressure on him about it. And I think Tomlin also knows these facts. Yes. And that's why he's not stressed about it. And that's why he's he's not worried to make a move and switch a guy out. No. Because you, you know that he's pushing the ball downfield. It's a coordinated effort, though. Just because you throw it doesn't mean it, it will be caught. Just because you put it out there doesn't mean <laughs> it's going to be complete. It takes It takes at least two. And then, of course... I think it takes an entire team because the scheme, the routes, free the guy up to be thrown to, the offensive line holding up the line of scrimmage to make sure that he has time to deliver that 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 ball where exactly he wants to throw it. 
So it's a coordination of efforts, but we can see the attempts are there. And I kind of wanted to point that out to make sure we just kind of keep people in perspective, right? That, hey, this is he, he's doing the job he's supposed to. And then the other next-gen staff, um, so they did this, uh, you know, which quarterbacks throw downfield often and who does mm-hmm. it successfully. And so, you know, Mitch is – a little bit behind the average, but we talked about the reasoning why just now. But he, I mean, you look at, he's right there with Matt Ryan. Right. He's right there with Kyler Murray. Hmm. Um, he's actually a better, he has a better passer rating on that than Aaron Rodgers, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Mac Jones, Matthew Stafford. Um Stop! Stop me when I say somebody that, that that that's that's terrible, right? Yeah, really. I mean, but uh, but I think that's something to also keep in perspective. You're talking about guys who, you know, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. right? Is is a notable guy. Kyler Murray, a notable guy. Matt Very Ryan, a notable so. guy. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about that, like he, he if he if he's performing at a better rate than they are at passes going over ten plus air yards and completing them. I think uh, I think we, we, we that's another reason to just go ahead and just kind of pump the brakes just a little bit and just wait to see what happens. And that's why I keep pointing to week four. The All these things that I've just mentioned are leading and trending in the right direction. Absolutely. It's just it's it's not a sharp jump is what people don't understand. It's just a steady climb. Right. It's a steady. It's a five percent grade. On, on a mountain, right? You just walk it up the five percent grade consistently, right. steady as yes. she goes. Yeah, it's not an eighteen percent. We're not going to just see it jump up and it's, or it's impassable. It's a steady thing, and this is a new offense with the new personnel running it. You have to give it a little bit more time, be a little bit more patient. And like I said, if if everything goes well on Sunday, guess what? We're at five hundred, and 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 we've and we we've we've essentially got to got to the standard that we need to be in. Um, and the month of September, uh, or, or the first quarter, I should say. Usually it's September, but the game's played on October 2nd. I know I know the dates before anybody, <laughs> before anybody tweets me about it. Max, this game's not in September. I know it's not in September, but it's week four. I'm counting it as September because normally that's how it falls. But, um, but, yeah, so the first quarter of the season, we're right there at 2-2. Two and two. We're right there in the hunt. And historically, you know, teams that go 2-2 two and two through the first four weeks – usually have about a 37% success rate of making the playoffs. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. You know, but but let's go to a break, Wolf. Okay. You take it out. Let me uh, – you know what? I'll take it out. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come back. We're going to share a stat that both you and I have heard, but with a twist about what it might mean. All right? We're going to have it right here in the Ooh. locker room, SNR. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Second down and four from the Pittsburgh 46. And this long pass. A great catch by rookie George Pickens inside the Browns 20 at the 18-yard line. What a play for the young man from Georgia. 
You got to love that. Big plays, the fast start, all those things. Well, we talked about this earlier. Max, you remember Missy first kicked this this uh, stat out there. Over the 180 minutes the Jets have played in games thus far, okay, they've only held the lead for 22 seconds. I mean, think about that. That's really deep, man. So here's the, here's the deal. Could, is it not imperative that the Steelers come out and jump on the Jets when they hit Acrisure Stadium this weekend. I believe you got to. You got to have that fast start. You got to do something. You got to make the big play like Pickens. You got to have the Minka Fitzpatrick pick six or just a pick. Something like that. Jumpstart the game and create that, oh, here we go again type feeling in the in the New York Jets. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you you got you to pounce on them like, like a lion in the savannah, you know. <laughs> And and that that means coming out and having that surprise play, like you said, it's a George Pickens, it's it's a Minka pick six, or heck, even even the first play of the game, a Cam Hayward sack. There you go. You know, yeah. There, 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 there's plenty of ways to do it, or you break off a, a big run and you just you rip it, you rip it from the twenty, and you know you hit, you get that explosive play run. All those things can help, you know, depending on if you're taking the ball first or if you're deferring, or if the other, well, the other two, I guess I should say. The other team, if they defer or they lose the toss because we don't get an option uh, to go heads or tails. But um, but I think you know what I mean. I think right. having that explosive type play to just change the momentum and put them on the heels. And what that would – imagine what that would do for the stadium, though. Oh, man. Stadium would be nuts to get one of those plays, especially early in the game. And kind of give you know almost 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 like that awesome appetizer when you show up to a party you're not sure you're supposed to be at. Oh yeah, you're like, uh, and then they, they bring by like something really amazing, like like a wagyu beef slider with like caramelized onions and gouda or Ooh. gruyere, Ooh, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you bite into it, you're like, man, this is amazing. That is so good. What is this? Or like the old you, yeah, beef Wellingtons, you know those beef? There's like the, yeah, like but the wagyu beef. I mean, that's the Zen yeah. cows, you know. That's yeah. when they feed them beer and give them masseuse and play, uh, you know, the um, the nice orchestrate like type music, you know, the classical Mozart. music, yeah, yeah, classical Mozart, them type of things, you know. I wonder if bulls or or or, or for cows that matter. I wonder if they play like theme music, like the Pamp- like the bulls of Pamplona, like you know, how you kind of hear. <laughs> you mean or before they-, they go out and run? They stampede. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, before they stampede. I wonder, <laughs> would you play that for them as well? You know, and they kind of like dream of running down the street and just knocking guys' pants off and all kinds of other other dreams. Scarves flying everywhere. Roses being being thrown into the stadium. I, I wonder. If, I wonder if bull. I, w- I wonder if cows had that dream. But who, I digress. Who was the first guy that thought running with bulls in Spain was a good idea? You know that it was fun. That you know, getting deep pants in the in front of a stadium full of people is like a good time. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think that guy lived long enough to actually record that he was the guy that came up with the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it again, and then you catch the wrong bull. Yeah, no. Oops. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. But truly, I do believe that when you have that stat, when you've played. 180 minutes of football, and you've only held the lead for 22 seconds, the possibilities of jumping on these guys and getting after it 
and having one of those games you, you, you can really enjoy. And, and let's face it, a win's a win, whether it's a point or it's 20 points by, by which you win. But the fact is, the jump on these guys I think would just be huge, and I would love to see it. No, I would absolutely too. And, th- and this is a team in the Jets where I think you, you, can't, you can't take advantage of that because, you know, they, they, they don't get off to a fast start. Like, and like Missy said, They've only led for 18 seconds out of 180 possible No, no, 22, minutes. just for the sake of so, journalis- journalistic integrity. You know what? My eyes blinked, and that was exactly <laughs> the time difference we have between that number. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Wolf, I, you know, this has been fun. We do have to break for the day. I know. I know. But until tomorrow... Um, we will do this all over again. We'll actually go into actually breaking down the Jets. Right. We'll start with position groups and kind of go just and also our, and do a little bit of our film study review. Um, and we'll start that process that'll carry us uh, through through till game day. So tomorrow, big Jets breakdown. Jets Steelers matchup. Obviously, this Sunday, one p.m. at Acrisure Stadium in lovely Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right by the confluence of three rivers, as Bill Hillgrove would say. Um, but if you missed any of our show today, you, you can always go and download any of these full episodes. All of our SNR podcasts are actually available at your disposal. So not just us, we don't want to be selfish. We want to spread the love, <laughs> you know, go to the drive. You can get Steelers blitz with Wes and Mose. You can get Steelers standard as well as the Godfather of Pittsburgh, Savern on Steelers, the Wesley Euler junior reporter slash junior. I should say junior assistant to the senior reporter, Wesley Euler. Uh, with the Steelers Review um, as well, as well as another host of podcasts. You can get them all on Steelers Mobile, iHeart, and uh, everywhere else that you might look to grab a podcast. And and on your commute, why not? Why not listen to the melodic sounds of your SNR staff? We We love you guys. Take care. Be good to everyone. Remember, practice kindness, not just this week, but every day. And for Wolf, I'm Max Starks, and you've been in the locker room on SNR and ESPN Radio.